You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, the Daily Hampshire Gazette's Larry Parnas. Hey, Larry. Hi, Susan. Great to have you here. And also returning, Natalia Munoz, a contributor to El Sol Latino and a public relations consultant. Hi, Natalia. Hi, Susan. Thank you, both of you, for coming back. Guess what? MGM officials were grilled yesterday, actually, by state gambling regulators over their proposal to eliminate a 25-story glass hotel tower from their casino plan. The casino's 250-room hotel is going to instead be a six-story building with the same amount of rooms, they say. The company says it's changing its design to save money as construction costs rise. But the change caused Gaming Commission Chair Steve Crosby to ask a very direct question of MGM's Mike Mathis. Let's listen. Where is MGM and MGM corporate on its commitment to the Springfield project? Fully committed. And I I didn't mean to be tentative in, in, in any statement about that. Natalia, what do you think about MGM's plan to change up things at the last minute? I think that uh, Michael Mathis, the MGM president, unfortunately characterized Springfield's skyline as being littered with enough high-rises that the MGM high-rise is not necessary. That sounds like a cover story for other problems that MGM can foresee. So you're not buying it? I'm not buying it at all, no. Well, it seems to me that the uh, the notion of having a monopoly business in Western Massachusetts is not as much fun as it as they might have thought it would be. Well, what about this, Larry? As well, because could that have anything to do with the fact that we're going to have a casino now going up in the Albany area and maybe one near Hartford? Do you think that's part mm-hmm. of what's making MGM maybe balk a little bit? Oh, it is, and I think the, the uh, MGM chief acknowledged that at that hearing on Thursday, that session on Thursday. Uh, it's clearly a factor. Uh, MGM's pushing back on the notion of a of a third tribal casino north of Hartford. Uh, there's a, a lawsuit, of course, on that, and uh, there's going to be a fight. It's changing the terrain uh, even two years out of the casino, uh, three years out of the casino being finished. And Natalia, the city council gets a say in this, and there's talk now of them putting a question on the November ballot, asking voters if they approve of the changes. My question is the... It's supposed to be non-binding, so what's the point? The point is that MGM will hear what the voters of Springfield think about this change. What about the city council? Can't they, can't they just, what if they say no, or should they say no? Well, Mayor Dominic Sarno strongly supports MGM, and the mayor, I'm certain, will also work with city councilors to get them on board to support whatever MGM wants to do, because in the end, what's being talked about are millions of dollars years into the future of Springfield's uh, well-being. And 3,000 jobs, the uh, MGM predicts. I think that people will come forward and readjust to this. And I think that there's a a good argument for a more human-scale, smaller development, just in terms of its fit into Springfield. Massachusetts Governor Baker wants to raise the cap on charter schools. And this often and almost always results in pitting public school unions and teachers against politicians and parents. Natalia, do you think the cap should be raised? Absolutely should be raised. Uh, Charter schools are necessary, and we know they're necessary because more people are applying for them. There's another one in the works for the north end of Springfield. If these bureaucracies did a great job of educating students, there would be no need for charter schools. 
A poll, however, Larry, uh, it was actually a year ago, and it was a, a Boston Globe poll, found that by a very close margin, voters opposed raising the charter school cap. If there is a ballot question, it will be expensive for both sides. So do you think that if there's a question that it could move the needle of how people feel about charter schools, this debate, and it's close, has been going on for some time? I think what's going to move the needle is some more legislative work on this. The House uh, has passed legislation to support lifting the cap. The Senate said no. Stan Rosenberg, the Senate president, has said that he will uh, bring about a robust uh, debate this year and you know, months and months before any ballot vote, even if that happens. So I think this is going to get out there more, and it might be a solution might be found where it really ought to be created, which is in the legislature. Moving on, the plan was actually to talk about the latest round of looming government shutdown talk. But today's news that House Speaker John Boehner is stepping down puts, if nothing else, a small hitch in the momentum, I think. Larry, how are we, the public, supposed to view this very inside Washington game when it appears we have no control over the outcome? I think uh, that the shutdown is unlikely this year. I think it's being uh, uh, goosed by the Republican primary and particularly some candidates in that primary who very much want to use uh, the prospect of a shutdown to just uh, flail, away, flail, flail away at some of their pet subjects. Well, they yeah. often don't happen. So what's the point? And how are we supposed to view well, the, the point process? Is, the point is to uh, allow some politicking in, within the Beltway on this issue. Natal- and I think citizens shouldn't really take it that seriously. Oh, okay. There you go. So what we should do is just let them banter and we'll... We'll have to live with the outcome no matter what it is anyway. It's, um, I think it's very unlikely to happen for the reason that neither side gets a win out of this. Okay. Natalia, this is an interesting segue because there are only two Republicans now in the U.S. House from all of New England. And that's a substantial change from the past. And it means that on these kinds of decisions, frankly, this region doesn't really have a voice. So is this the cost of single-party domination in New England? It's very, uh, it's very unfortunate, the single-party domination, whether it's Democrats or Republicans. Uh, we need to get to a point in this country where it's a multi-party system. Regarding government shutdowns, uh, w- when I looked into this, there have been almost, there have been 18, I believe, uh, since uh, 1976. And sometimes they're just slowdowns. And I think it, economists are not able to quantify how it affects uh, the country, but if if you are a public employee, a federal employee, and you're not critical, you get furloughed, and so it, aff- it affects you. Uh, so this insider game that you call, which is correct, it's unfortunate for the rest of us in the country. Mm-hmm. Susan, you started by mentioning John Boehner. I think his announcement that he's leaving in October does change the, uh, the playing field here a little bit and allows the uh, people to his right who have wanted him out uh, uh, gives them a bit more advantage in the next couple well, of days. Well, we will find out. Larry Parnas from the Daily Hampshire Gazette and El Sol Latina's Natalia Munoz, thanks to both of you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist and EPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan. Mm-hmm.